Hey folks, welcome to the House of Kraus. I'm Richard Kraus, your host. I'm the guy who tells you to keep it down when the neighbors phone and complain that we're making too much noise because we're having too much fun. Today we have some really cool interviews for you. Two guys who have made a mark on Broadway and also created a character that will probably outlive both of their careers. First up, Josh Gad. Now, Josh Gad is someone that if you've been paying attention for the last number of years, you'd recognize the name. You may have seen him when he was doing a guest spot on ER or something like that. It wasn't until he did The Book of Mormon on Broadway that he became a star. And it wasn't until he voiced Olaf, the snowman in Frozen, that he became a Disney star. That's a whole new kind of of fame right there. That's the kind of fame where your kids have the stuffed animals and you're sick of seeing the movie because your kids want to watch it over and over and over again. But he's one of the main reasons that that movie became such a huge success. I talked with him just as the movie was about to be released and it's kind of fascinating to talk to someone just before you know the earth is going to start to rumble under their feet. We talked about how he got to that point. We talked about how we all Almost gave up. We talked about having that kind of a career and what was going to happen in his career once Frozen came out. You don't want to miss that. Also talked with Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe has made his mark on Broadway, but he will forever be known as Harry Potter. His face stares out at you from the book covers, from movie posters, from your televisions. When you throw on the DVDs, he's one of the most recognizable characters and therefore, I guess, one of the most recognizable actors of the last 20 years. I hosted an event with him one night. We were screening a film that he had made called Woman in Black. And after it was over, we left the theater and we were walking back to the dressing room through the lobby of the theater. And there was a, a stray girl going to see something else, who knows what, but she was quite young. And I don't think that she knew that Daniel Radcliffe was going to be there. In her mind, she looked up and you could see it written across her face. There was Harry Potter. And she kind of freaked out. And the next day when we sat down for a long sit down, I had to ask him about this. What happens when people see Harry Potter? I want to ask uh, about the reaction of the crowd last night and the reaction of the crowd towards you. Because as an outsider to that, I, I was blown away. I've no, when I brought you out on stage, the screams that came out were are deafening. The girl that wanted the hug from you was very sweet. But, I mean, it's got to be everywhere you go. You've grown up with it, so it's, it's a very... It's, it's just kind, part of your life. It's kind of part of my life. It's, but you always have to... I think the way I have um, sort of rationalised it is that by going... I think the thing you always have to remind yourself of, it's not about me. You know, it's about the fact that I played this character who became beloved and 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 you know the, the, anyone who took on that character would be getting this reaction um the fact that i'm now getting it on my own away from the series is very gratifying though obviously it's still kind of residual from from potter and they're still you know the fans of that and fans of me um but yeah you i mean you just have to laugh at it and keep it and you know have a sense of humor about it and really the most important thing is to find it funny and weird and just you know and when and as i said to you you know when i'm at home smoking a cigarette and it's cold and I'm in my Canada goose jacket eating half a pizza you have those are the moments that you have to you have to take a picture of yourself then and then kind of play it to yourself when you're on the red carpet to just go yeah yeah you're not all that really <laughs> you just you are you know it's it's um yeah it's it's a funny thing but you, you don't you don't get used to it and I, in fact I hadn't heard I did a show um 
yesterday was his uh, much music live. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I and it's been a long time since I've heard screaming like that. Like when I went on that show, that it was not since Japan have I have I really been in close proximity to that level of screaming. Now I thought that was a pretty level-headed response from a guy who's been in the business for a long time, but was still very young when we had that conversation. So I brought it up again a year or so later, and we continued the conversation, and we continued talking about perhaps how he's going to move away from Harry Potter. Yeah. And then I started thinking about the movies that you've been making, and, and I mean, you know, with between Woman in Black and uh, Kill Your Darlings and uh, this movie, they're all so different. I don't see a through line through them, and I think maybe that's the point. Is yeah. that the point? I mean, it kind of is the point. I, I just... I want to try my hand at as many things as possible, and I, you know, I, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, there is, I think having played one character for a very long time, that builds up in you a desire to play a number of different characters, and yeah. do as much different work as you can, um, and, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's about, like, I want to show you know, I want to show as many different sides of, of my ability as, as I can. And also, I like that, you know, I like that people don't... I like that you can't predict what my next thing is going to be. Right. Or you right. can't, you know, I mean, it's, uh, that's, that's always something that I've... I, somebody, because of this film the other day, compared me to Hugh Grant, and, right. and, I, I, and, I'm, and I was probably... And I, my initial reaction was probably, like, quite... Unfair because I, I just bristled a bit, and and which is probably very unfair. But I because you know I feel like he, you know, did yeah. sort of this genre and and is brilliant at it. But you know, did so much of it. And um, what I've all am always trying to do is trying to be as diverse and, as as possible. Um, and also, it's about finding out like for me, well, finding out what I'm good at and finding out which things I prefer doing and right. what I because you know I, I've only done Potter up until you know a few years ago. So now this period is really like me going. Well, if I had my choice and being that I do have, you know, a semblance of control over my career, which most actors my age don't, um, you know, it's, it, you sort of feel, well, you know, I might not always have this opportunity to, to try loads of different things. Right. So I'm going to now and hopefully that will, in the future, it will mean that people, you know, keep giving me opportunities to pop up in different kinds of movies because I, I think that's that's the career I want and that's the thing that I think will keep me fresh and excited is constantly being like, oh, I've never done, I've never quite done this before, or, you know, yeah. So you say no less gratifying from theatre to uh, film, but it has to be different in the theatre. You've, you've done a great deal of, of theatre now. Yeah. Every night I would imagine that the audience laughs at different things. It's not the same every no, night. No, so it, it must feel just a little different. Right? It, I mean, it is, absolutely. I mean, the thing that's the great thing about theatre and the thing that audiences going to theatre do not realise is that they are what changes the show that night. Right. It's, it's not... Um, you know, we've rehearsed it. We yeah. know it. We know, basically, we're doing exactly the same thing. We just... The variable in that and the thing that you... You don't tailor to your performance to it because you don't really want to... If, if they're laughing very loud, you don't want to change your show to right. go even further with it. But but you do inevitably just subtly things change based on how good or not good the audience is. Um, and so yeah, I mean with with film, there is the advantage of sort of that's what what 
the, the difficulty I find on stage and the thing that's hard that, you, that isn't an issue at all on film is that, you know, particularly if you're doing a comedy like uh, Cripple of Man was, it's you're only going to find a joke funny a certain amount of times. Like comedy, <laughs> right. defini- by definition, in a play is kind of repetition. Right. And after a certain amount of times, you know, I've heard like I've heard stories about friends who've been doing plays which have been comedies, and the director like stops finding it funny and then changes everything rather than realizing that it's just he has stopped finding it funny because he's seen it so much. Right. And I th- that's like that's the great thing film has over that is that you 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 do it and you're done and it's it's not something that you linger on or come back to. But there is also something really wonderful on stage about getting to tell an entire story over the course of one night. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something really gratifying about that. And also because you sort of think of like stage work as being where acting started. Right. There's something very sort of like it's it's like yeah it's sort of the the you, there's no hiding you can't right. you can't you know an editor is not going to save you you know it's it's <laughs> there, there, it's there's a sort of an accountability in theatre that I quite right. like you have to be sorry excuse me, you have yeah. to be on it yeah, otherwise yeah. people will notice well it's funny in, in Broadway Broadway's a different animal too like the, the the kind of fame that comes with being in Broadway is different than it is being a movie star right. or a television star or something yes. there's just something that uh, you know we every time we go to New York we go see shows and you know I, and I pay attention but the, every now and again someone will come out and they'll get this you know uproarious round of like, applause who? from New Yorkers and I'm like who is that but it's someone that spent 50 years on oh, stage really? yeah. yeah yeah no I mean that's there is a very um Broadway is also, I think, very proud and very protective of the people who, um, you know, the people like, I would say, like Sutton Foster, who is, you know, has absolutely come up through the ranks on Broadway and is now a star. Like, you know, and actually I have to say they've been very welcoming of me because I've, I think by now, like, people know that I'm serious about theatre and that I'm not just doing it to try and, like... You know, as a bit of a jolly away from yeah, the film. Yeah. You know, and I really I, I keep coming back. So they are, but I think there's there's a you know you have to. You, I think you just basically Broadway likes a hard worker right. and somebody who and and if you're that then they'll then they'll be good to you and if and if not it is a very tough place I yeah. I should think I mean you know there was I I, I did a show in uh, when I was doing my first show in New York there was another. Uh, sort of film and TV actor who was in another show at the same time who like dropped out giving citing all kinds of very strange reasons <laughs> and and you know you just go yeah you, you can't I think some people do go into theatre thinking oh this is only been like two hours a night yeah, but yeah, yeah. the adrenaline that's going through you for those two hours is equivalent to what you get all day on a film set right. you know it's so you are you do end up exhausted um and yeah, it's it's, but it, there is, I, as you say, you know, there's, it's a community Broadway, and so it really, when you're a part of that community, it's very, very generous to you, and very, um, you know, they they want, you know, the amount of people who come up to me and say like, please keep coming back to Broadway, and I'm like, I will, I'm obviously going to, it's a fantastic place, like why the hell would I not? Um, and yeah, so it's just, and also I think, broad, New York is just so theatre centric. Yeah. I mean. In a way that even London is absolutely nowhere near. Um, uh, you know, everyone's at least aware of when the Tonys are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, ask people in London when the Olivier's are; they wouldn't have <laughs> any idea. You know, it's it's um, so it is. It's a it's a different thing. They 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 love it, and I think, and it affects the way people go as audiences as well. You know, people just go 
ready to be engaged and 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 you know ready to have a really good time, expecting to have a really good time. I think that's the big difference actually between how Brits and Americans go to the theatre is that in Britain we go sort of expecting the worst and like we always go going oh I hope this is okay and in America people go thinking I'm, I'm going to have a great time um, and until proved otherwise um, and, but yeah so it, there is um, it's, it's a lot of fun doing, doing Broadway for me the tradition is go to Sardi's for a drink first in, in Sardi's I always play a game which is how many characters can I spot that look like my dad <laughs> Because there's about every fourth one looks like a version of my father. Um, And I'm in there as well, but it's the most... It's the most tanned version of me I've ever seen because right. it's it's really good. It does look like me, but I will, I always just look at it and go, I wish I was that tanned. <laughs> I wish I could ever be that color. <laughs> Depending on how old you are, you either know Josh Gad as Elder Arnold Cunningham in the Broadway musical The Book of Mormon, or you know him as Olaf the Snowman from Frozen, one of the biggest movie hits of all time. If you've been paying attention recently, you've seen him on The Comedians with Billy Crystal. This conversation dates back to just before Frozen came out. And I thought it was really interesting to talk to him about getting to where he was on that very day, which was just a few milliseconds, like a couple of days away from starring in one of the biggest movie hits of all time. Tell me how you approach a character like this (laughs) versus uh, doing something on stage. Because when I first heard about you, you were a Broadway actor, Mm -hmm. is there a difference between creating a character that will be on the stage versus uh, creating one that you will only use your voice? Oh, well, I mean, for starters, it's a lot less tiring. Um, (laughs) Not eight shows a week. uh, Yeah, I mean, there's no comparison. It's funny because everybody makes that comparison, but the comparison is not, I don't think it's, uh, I I don't think the two are even on the same level, just because Broadway is... As an actor, theater is the hardest thing that you can do. Right. Doing the repetition of eight shows a week for 400 plus performances, it's tough business, man. So right off the bat, it's an easier process. But there is something really wonderful, challenging but wonderful, about being a voice. Because when you are limited to having no movement to tell the, char- the story of a character, you have to trust a lot of other factors to, you know, believe it's going to work. So you have to p- infuse all the emotion, all of the the age, all of the quality of the moment in nothing but the timber and the tone and the quality of your voice. And, and I think that that's a wonderful challenge. And it's also wonderfully rewarding for me because I'm a very imaginative person. And I feel like there's no greater use of an imagination, of the imagination, than to be in a dark booth and use your voice to tell this story. And well, I think that's more what I was getting at, right? I'm getting at more of the creation of the character. Right, so right, right, right. In Broadway, you know, let's say, uh, you're doing reads on a bare stage at the beginning and that sort of thing here, you're in a dark room. Is there any similarity towards the idea of how you think about the character? Oh, certainly. I think Broadway, film, television, animation, you approach a character the same way in any, you know, in any one of those venues. Um, with Olaf, I was struck immediately by the childlike wonderment quality. So when I set out to create his voice, originally I, I had like this affectation of a, of a lisp and he was a little bit more Edwin-esque and, and I decided that it didn't need all that because it was 
the quality of Olaf is is that youthful naivete. Naivete. It's that he has he looks through the prism of eyes that have really never reflected anything other than childhood innocence because he was created by these two girls during their childhood. And while they grew up and they faced hardships, he stayed the same. He remains the last remnant of their sister bond as children. And I thought that that was a fascinating thing to explore. Um, And to explore a character who literally does not have an ounce of cynicism. He's all optimism. He's all joy. He's all, hey, everything's great. <laughs> like seeing a balloon for the first time all the time. All the time. It's crazy. I mean, the idea of this obsession with Summer yeah. told me everything I needed to know about the character. And, and so we approached it with that kind of joyful innocence. And, you know, there must be something that goes along with the idea that you're creating a character in a Disney movie because these things last. Well, you hope that they certainly do. Yeah. I mean, there are some that, that don't. <laughs> um, and there are, there are few that do. And when they do, they're very special, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of being a part of the Disney canon, one of my first memories of being struck by this th- whole thing, of wanting to be a performer, was it was about 1993... And I'm sitting in a dark theater, and I'm watching Aladdin, and I'm watching Robin Williams, and I'm, as is the rest of the audience, on the floor at this insane genie character. And I looked over at my mom and I said, I want to do that one day. Meaning I want to be the comic relief sidekick in one of these Disney films. So to then get that phone call saying, you are that guy... Was, I had to hold the phone down because I was sobbing with joy. How realistic was it when you look at your mom and say, you know, I'm going to do that one day. Kids say that sort of thing all the time. Kids say that, that thing all the time. Yeah, like how, how realistic really were your dreams at that point? And, and what was the moment at which you went, oh man, this is actually, this is actually happening. It's funny because you, you fast, fast forward from that moment into about 2004. 2005 and I was about three years out of college and I called my mom up and I said I don't I don't think I want to do this anymore and she started crying and I said I'm gonna go to law school thinking you know my mother was gonna celebrate that she wouldn't have to worry about me anymore and she was really disappointed I said why are you disappointed and she goes because you've been dreaming about this for 15 years but you're only allowing yourself to live out your dream for three, and I think that that's unfair to yourself. Right. And it was it was very startling to hear her say that. And a week later, I got my first big break on Broadway, doing a, a show called the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess it was at that time that I realized I was going to be okay. Right. Book of Mormon was the point at which I realized I had reached a new level that I was really going, that I had made it. Yeah. That I, I was no, I wasn't a working actor anymore. I was an actor who was a part of something very special and, and that would allow me, afford me more opportunities to do what I dreamed of. Can I ask what it was that made you think you wanted to, to leave? It was the uncertainty of failure. It was the constant rejection. It was... 
the idea that if I ever wanted to have a family and, and raise kids, I was going to need to be accountable and responsible, and this wasn't a profession that would allow me the consistency to do that. For a young guy to be thinking, I think, is sort of forward-looking. In your 20s, typically, you're like, woohoo! You know? Yeah, but, well, but... A- absolutely, and, and I think, you know, looking back, I definitely was a schmuck because it's like, you know, I've known people who have given this 13 years mm-hmm. and have not, quote-unquote, made it. And they're still pushing because it's their dream. And it was my dream. But I also felt an enormous responsibility um, to be pragmatic and practical about life and know that dreaming doesn't pay the bills. But my mother, God bless her, allowed me to keep dreaming. I think maybe that's the the perspective of... of someone who is older who's been you know has more life experience and right because i know if i was talking to you know at my age now if i was talking to a much younger person i'd say you know what screw it have fun get out there and go do it because once you hit a certain like really seriously when you hit a certain age it becomes so much harder yeah so you've got the chance to do it now get out there and do it exactly and and having said that i was also very very fortunate and very lucky and so much of what we do is about luck and I was in the right place at the right time there happened to be a once in a lifetime role that I fit the bill for that I was just I boom I was inserted into that had that not been there I don't know I don't know what my story would be which brings me back to frozen Mm -hmm. which is I've now I'm now a part of something that stands hopefully the test of time and will still be a, have a significance long after I'm gone. I think of Phil Harris, who played, uh, amongst other characters, uh, Blue in Jungle Book. Yeah, yeah. And that actor, well, a lot of us may not know his name, know that voice anywhere. And we know that character anywhere. And that character... As much as it did in the 60s when that movie came out, still brings us to tears, makes us laugh. I hope Olaf follows in that, those footsteps. Because those characters live on forever. I was just in the theme park and I saw uh, this show, World of Color. It's nighttime spectacular at uh, California Adventure in, in, um, at Disneyland that is hosted by Olaf. And... <laughs> It was so surreal and out of body to experience that. Well, this must be kind of weird too. No, I mean, yeah. like, we're you know we're we're sitting here with little Olaf with plush stuff. dolls. And by the way, these are not even the ones that the voice comes out. They, there are ones that you push on it, and the voice comes out. And my daughter has those, and so she is just tickled by this whole I, thing. I was going to ask: Is there any connection between Dad and and Olaf yet for her, or no? Here's what's so because she's very she's. Very small. She's small, but here's what's so incredible about it is she was two and a half when I took her to see her very first movie in a movie theater, which was Monsters University. <laughs> they played a teaser um, for Frozen, which featured just my laugh. <laughs> Off of that laugh, she turned to me without me explaining any of this to her, and she said, that's daddy. And she said, more data. I want more data. Mm-hmm. And I had to turn away from her because I was embarrassed by the tears <laughs> falling down my face yeah. so I you know yes to, to answer your question she not only gets it but she is 
absolutely like loving it. Wow, that's a whole lot of show and I'm exhausted. Thanks to Josh Gad, thanks to Harry Potter, thanks to Olaf the Snowman, thanks to Daniel Radcliffe, thanks to you guys for coming by. Be sure to stop by again next week because you never know who's going to come visit the House of Crubs. <laughs>